0: Welcome back to the Pathway Podcast. In this week's episode, lead pastor Jeremy Flanagan wraps up our series on the book of Job. Well, I hope you've had a good week. I know with a lot of uh, you know our kids being back in school and teachers being back at it, college students being in town, new ones here on campus, and... Everything ministry-wise, really getting kicked off uh, here pretty soon uh, with all of our uh, youth and teen ministries this week and s- small groups here coming up and a couple. And so uh, it's a fun time of year. So I love this time of year. There's a whole lot of activity. And if you're new here and you're not sure exactly when things are happening or where things are happening and you've got a question about getting plugged in and being you know involved, know this, there's a lot of other new people around you too. And so you may say, why didn't that jerk you know, and say hi to me and invite me or something? Well, they may be new too, all right? So look for this jerk or somebody else who didn't talk to you and just say, hey, I would like to know more information. And they may say, I do too. And then both of y'all go together and track one of us down. And so because we would love to get to meet you and just have the opportunity to welcome you, uh, worshiping with us and letting you know everything that's going on, which the next couple weeks is a lot. And so if you are new here today, uh, we are wrapping up a series in Job. Next week, we jump into the book of James and we're going to live in the book of James for 12 weeks. And it's kind of broken up into kind of three different series within it. Um, But it's uh, the book we were kind of drawn to one of those when we said that this year we are talking about wisdom, how to have it, where to find it how to make those tough decisions in life, how to, uh, you know, know when that we have made mistakes and and, uh, how to recover from them. And just a whole lot of stuff is talked about in the book of James. Um, But first, as we introduced over the summer, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job, we wanted to hit this story. And so... Um, I've always said the last four weeks, I've said that if you've ever asked God, why, right? Why is something bad happening to me? Why can't I seem to, to figure things out? Why is something bad happening to, to a person I love? Why do good people suffer? God, are you listening at all? Do you, do you hear the problems that I have? Why aren't you fixing them right now? Um, when will I get what I deserve? Which is a scary thing to say to God. Um, and then why won't you answer? These are all the questions that I say that if you have asked those, which pretty much all of us have, and if you haven't, you will, then Job is a great book to look at and a great book to study. And so just real quickly, we started off and and we covered a lot of ground in five weeks, right? It's 42 chapters. And so a lot of ground. About three weeks ago, I apologize to the people working in the nursery. Um, It was a little bit longer of a sermon. But um, the first week we looked at what I called heaven's conference room, that scene where Satan comes, uh, and, and speaks to God and, and says, you know, I want to harm Job. And, and so we looked at that, and you could go back if you have questions about, you know, how is Satan able to go and talk to God? Where does Satan normally live? Where, how does hell work? Is it always the exact same place whenever the Bible talks about hell or torment or lake of fire or all those other things? There's a, a document on the week one of the Job series online. You can go and take a look there. Um, But really that week, we looked at how Satan views our faith, and he views it much like his faith exists, is that if I don't get everything I want, then I may quit following God, because that was the story of Satan, right? He was blessed greatly, but he still didn't get everything he wanted, and so he rebelled against and quit following God, and sadly, a lot of the time, he's right, right? That if our life isn't going exactly how we want it to go, if we don't feel that God is giving us what we think we should have, then it makes us, mm, you know, maybe quit following him so much. Because I mean, what good is it if I'm not getting everything I want? Uh, The next week we looked about how to respond to trials and really looking at that hard question of why do bad things happen to good people? Um, And diving into that, one of the most difficult questions to answer. Um, The week after that, was why karma, the the kind of that concept of karma makes sense to us, but it is not absolute truth. Um, And I'll go ahead and throw that definition up. I've shared it the last couple of weeks. Karma, if you're not familiar with it, sometimes kind of we know the idea, you know, oh that, you know, uh, you know, they deserve that, you know, that's just bad karma, those things. But the idea of karma is a religious concept where uh, in Sanskrit, the the language it, it originated in means an action, a work or a deed, and ultimately their law of effect and consequences. And so it refers to a principle um, where the intent and actions of a person, the cause, then influence the future of that individual, the effect both in this life and in their belief of reincarnated future lives. And so um, the, the symbol of the endless knot, just that in, in that worldview that karma is something that just continues throughout this life cycle and every life cycle, um, and that uh, that karmic cycle continues eternally, um, unless you can actually reach the state of nirvana, and that's a whole different topic and subject. But both of those ideas that a lot of times people get to, um, both from answering the question of why do bad things happen to good people, and sometimes we find safety in the thought that, well, every bad thing that's happening to me, that God has a specific reason that he wants that to happen to me, so he will do something good on the other side. That is true sometimes. It is not true all the time. It's much like the idea of karma. The idea of karma is that sometimes when we do something stupid that we're gonna get you know stupid prizes. Um, and that turns out true in a whole lot of life, right? But it's not all the time. I know a lot of people. I've watched a lot of dumb things and those people are still moving forward and existing and I question how every day of my life. So it's not a rule, right? It doesn't always happen that way, and it's the same thing. When bad things happen to us, it is not always necessarily that, that there is some master plan working out, and so that's a false premise sometimes that we will develop one side or the other when we're trying to explain hardship or tragedy or why life isn't working out the way we wanted it to, and so either the idea that everything and all suffering is a result of sin, the idea of karma, or that whatever bad is happening that God is making that happen or allowing that to happen for a specific reason. The scripture tells us that all things you know, work to good to those who are called according to his purpose. And I gave you examples a few weeks ago of how some bad things that happened in my life, sinful decisions by other people that resulted in hardship for me, that ultimately because I followed God and because I tried to let him use those things to help me grow, that God has made me more empathetic in certain situations. He has made me more able to deal with certain tragedies or certain hardships or sins that people struggle with. But God never wanted those sins to happen. God never wanted those bad situations to come about. But if we follow him, whether we're going through the bad time, whether we are having the tragedy or whether we're helping somebody else walk through it, God will use them to help us grow and to reach others. And so that's the biblical concept. Um, If we look at that, either all suffering is a result of sin, like the people in India who watch people on the side of the street, born there, live there, die there, and they don't help them because they have such a strong belief that for some reason they deserve that. And I don't wanna mess up my karma by getting in the way of the universe. And so it leads us both situations to have a less compassionate heart, to be people who either view ourselves as detached and letting God work his plan or letting the universe work their plan, but we're just letting all this happen instead of jumping in there like Jesus and being the kind of people who love and to serve and who help and who, who grab every situation to try and show the compassion of God, not letting some mixed up worldview, some mixed up explanation making us less passionate about it. So last week, we looked at how the idea of Job going through everything he went through started throwing out anger, right? He was mad, he was hurt, he should have been. I mean, there, there is no situation where I would say to anybody that Job was feeling emotions he shouldn't. Um, just to give you a recap, Job had everything taken from him, his children, his, all of his great wealth and his livestock, he developed a disease of the skin that was causing him to have constant pain. He, lit, he went outside of the city, whether it's, that was just kind of the way he mourned or that the disease of the skin forced him by law out of the city. We're not exactly sure, but he had three friends show up and they sat there for seven days in silence, comforted him, which was the best thing they could have done. Um, but then they started speaking up and they started saying that somehow, for some reason, Job deserved this. And so I have a slide with some of the accusations they made. They had no facts. They had no reason to say that Job deserved this. So they started saying, well, you must have, you must have. I mean, in their mind, you must have done something wrong to deserve the bad things going on in your life. And so the things that they came up with were you must have lent money to a friend and then demanded his clothes as security, leaving him naked or refused water for the thirsty and food for the hungry. Uh, You must believe that the earth belongs to the powerful and privileged. And so, you know, more or less is that you kind of look down and and hurt the people who are less privileged than you. Or that you sent widows away empty-handed and crushed the hopes of orphans. Still one of my favorite lines in the Bible. Um, Just that uh, a friend said, Job, you must have crushed the hopes of orphans. I have no proof of it, but surely that's what you did. Um, But then it got worse because they started saying, your children who died, You caused it. And then they ramped it up even further and said, and not only did maybe you caused it, but um, very possibly um, they must have done something to deserve it. Your kids who died from that, you know, tornado or whatever it was, the winds that came in and crushed the house on top of them, they must have done something to deserve it. And so Job lashed out. That was last week. He lashed out in anger and hurt. And I, I can't imagine not. And Job gave like these speeches to his friends and they would say all these bad, horrible things and Job would just deliver these long speeches. I would have very few words to say. Very, very few words, except it's okay, officer, I'm, I'm done. Right? If you look at what his friends were saying to him, I mean, the, the fact that he sat there and that he took it and then he just kind of responded in the way that he did. I mean, it's amazing that Job had the restraint that he had, but he started lashing out and he started defending himself and he started saying, I am righteous. I don't deserve this. And then it was, we saw, and we looked at it last week, God can take our questions. It's not wrong to ask God why. It's not wrong when you're hurting to ask God why and to say, God, I don't understand this to even say, God, I am hurt and God, I am angry. But Job went from the place of asking God why to telling God that he was wrong. And that was when he crossed the line. And when we cross the line of asking God why to telling God that he is wrong, that's when it goes from the things that God allows us to do in our hurt because he understands and he loves us to that we've crossed over into sin and to making accusations about God's character that are untrue. And so we need to understand Job's anger, but don't follow his path. When we find ourselves crossing over from why to God you're wrong, you need to sit down and read the book of Job. Or you need to call a friend and you need to go grab a lunch. You need to do something to pull yourself back from that place. And I've been there. I have been there. I've been there multiple times in my life. Right And luckily every time, God has not called out to me from heaven and called me down, but he has brought me back to the place where I say, God, I know you are who you say you are, and I'm just hurting. God allows us to feel that. He loves us, right? And he gives us a lot of room. But Job did hear from God. There is a point in this story, and I think there's a point for all of us when we've crossed that line for so long, if we keep saying that God is wrong, God knows that we not only are leading ourselves to a path that goes nowhere, but we're taking other people with us, right? So God called out to stop Job, to stop him in his tracks. And in Job chapter 38, God finally answered. And in verse one, and every time that you say to yourself, I wish God would just answer me, read Job 38. And maybe you'll say, hmm, I'll wait, I'll wait on that. Job 38 verse one. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb? As, and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. So God keeps going throughout chapter 38 and in chapter 39, he talks about these great beasts and who can contain them. And I'm the one who created them and can control them, but yet mankind can do nothing. And uh, the seasons and everything else pointing out to Job that I am in charge here. I am in charge. You know, last week I gave out my, my, my top-notch parenting advice of how I dealt with uh, my toddler son um, back when he, he's 17 now. He, he doesn't throw fits on the floor very often. Um, but when he was a toddler, he was a toddler. They all do. I did. Everyone does. And, you know, so I said when he would start doing that, I got tired of trying to reason with a two and three-year-old. It doesn't really go far. So I would get on the floor and I would cry and I would start mimicking everything he did. I would just mimic everything he did. When he cried, I would cry out and I'd flail my arms. And, and the reflection of that, he, he, he would get mad at. And then eventually after I did it over time, he found it funny and it, it, it would end it because I just showed him a reflection of his behavior. Um, well, if you're a parent, you also understand where God is at today with Job going from the point of saying, I want this, or why can't I do that? Or why can't I go here? And if you're not a parent, there's a high probability that you were raised by somebody. And so you've done this to people, right? I did this to my parents and I did it often. why can I do this? I uh, think that you, your reasoning is, is stupid. I think you don't know what you're talking about. I'm so mad at you. I hate you. You know, it finally gets to that level, right? Because we want something or we want an answer of why. And when they tell us why, we're not happy with that. So we keep asking why. And then, right, it's real quick from, from when I was a teenager to parent, jumping that line of going from why to wrong. And eventually, I would love to tell you that the Bible tells me that that is the time for the wrath of God. But that's not how God responds here. It's how I do as a parent, sinfully and wrongfully in some ways at times. But, you know, that's when the parent starts saying, you know, I'm the mom or I'm the dad. And you don't, you know, you just have to listen. And I mean, Luke's heard it all. Parenting tip uh, we don't really do this anymore because Luke knows it's coming. And so he's got smart enough to quit. But like when he keeps questioning me, I'm saying, all right, let's talk this out. And at that point, he's like, no, 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 we're good. Because when I say, let's talk this out, he knows that we're going to spend like 30 minutes in the living room with me sitting on the couch and him sitting there on the chair in the middle of the room while we talk every bit of minutia of every decision that was made and everything that was discussed. More or less, I use boredom as my tool now. When he was when he was younger, I used, you know, me throwing a fit. Now I use absolute boredom. You're in here. And if you've been here long, you know I can bore you. And so it's very effective. But um, Joe was at that point of why, why, why you're wrong. And even almost to the I hate you point, right? His wife was there. And I don't blame her feeling that way either. She lost all her kids and her husband was probably dying in her mind. And so God answers, but he never answers why. When you read the book of Job and Job has all these questions of why and I don't deserve this and I am righteous and, and I, there is nothing in the scales of justice that deserve me going through this today. Of all the why questions, when God finally speaks audibly, he never answers why. He simply tells Job who he is. Now, there's a lesson there, and and we'll hit that. But asking why and staying there forever is is natural. It comes natural to us when we're hurting. But staying there leads nowhere. If you get an answer, great. If you don't get an answer, keep asking. But eventually, you have to move on from that. When we don't move on from that as individuals, we get to the place where Job did naturally, where we start saying the people who aren't answering us, God or other people we love, are wrong. The people who aren't fixing my problem, who have the power to do so, they're wrong. Staying in that place where instead of picking ourselves back up and trying to move forward and just asking why forever doesn't get us to any place we wanna be. And so God called Job out and he started in on this and then he continued in Job chapter 40. Then the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, do you have the answers? And Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already, I have nothing more to say. One of the next steps on the back of the connection card today is asking that question of when we are reminded of God's sovereignty, um, how do we respond? Job was humbled, right? And today, when I talk about the sovereignty of God, I want you to understand that I'm not saying that God controls our choices. And there's a, a, a very strong view within Christianity that God determines who can and cannot go to heaven or hell. I agree with that in the sense that God sets the rules. He is completely sovereign. This is his world. This is his universe. He created all of it. God created everything that we are a part of today, and he is in control of it. And so he is in control of who goes to heaven or hell, but by the nature that he set up the rules, we broke them as mankind. We introduced sin into his creation. When we did that, that we all fell under the same penalty to where our destination is not staying in the perfect world he created, but death. And that at that point of death that we either enter eternity and go to heaven or we enter torment. And so God set those rules and they are his rules and we cannot change them. We cannot get around them. We cannot get past them. He is 100% sovereign. But in that sovereignty, he said, here is the situation that I built You destroyed, however, I have created a way for you. I have created a way for you. And that's how he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And so in God's sovereignty, that he is in complete control, but he still gives us, we have to choose with everything in life. And the most important of those being whether or not we choose to believe that he is our savior and he is God. And we choose to believe that and accept his salvation or we choose to reject that. That's the most important of the decisions, but all of our decisions are ours to own and ours to own up to. And so here when, when Job was faced with the sovereignty of God, realizing who he was, how great he was, that, that he was questioning the one who created the world he lived in and questioning a perfect God's thought of justice and right and wrong. When Job realized and it was brought to him by God himself that this is what you're doing, he humbled himself. Yet so oftentimes we go a different way. We go a different direction. When we are challenged by God, not necessarily audibly, sitting outside the city, but when we're challenged by God, whether it's conviction of the Holy Spirit, whether it's his word and a teaching about what we should or what we shouldn't do, whether it's about someone who loves us coming to us to talk to us about things in our life that that aren't where God would have them. How do we respond to the sovereignty of God in those moments, to his plan, to his sovereignty of saying, I get to decide what is right and what is wrong and then you choose whether or not to obey. But you don't get to choose whether what I say is right is right. And you don't get to choose whether what I say is wrong is wrong. That's mine. That's As God, that's his. So our choice is whether or not to accept and to follow. When Job was faced with that, he humbled himself. But so many times when we are faced with that decision, whether or not to follow God's, God's law, his word, his teachings, sometimes we ignore, sometimes we run, sometimes we just knowingly disobey. Sometimes we argue and say, well, God is wrong here. We go from asking God, why do you say these things that I don't agree with to saying, I've come to the conclusion that my scales are more correct and accurate than yours. And so Job, however, being the the man that he was, the man that God bragged about earlier in the book, humbled himself. He humbled himself and said, I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say, which if you learn nothing from the book of Job, If his friends had adopted that early on, would have been better. If Job had adopted that early on, would have been better. And so if you can't figure out what else to do in life, remember yourself, Job 45. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. And there's a really good chance that's the right decision in that moment. Now, God kept going. God kept going. You know, and as a teenager, I remember telling my parents, okay, okay, yeah, I get it, I get it. And then they kept going. And I didn't like that, but they had the right to. Obviously they're my parents and they had chosen not not only to have me, but not to kill me many, many different times over. And so God kept going a little bit. And he said in verse six of chapter 40, then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Second time God told him this. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you are right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right. Put on your glory and splendor. Put on your big boy pants, right? That's uh, put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. Give vent to your anger. Let it overflow against the proud. Humiliate the proud with a glance. You know, if you're so good at justice, then why don't you just take care of all the problems in the world? Walk on the wicked where they stand. Bury them in the dust. Imprison them in the world of the dead. Then even I would praise you for your own strength would save you. God just reminded Job, all right, you said you said too much. Agreed. I just want to make sure you understand. Not the answer, because I'm not going to give one to you. I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to answer the question that matters Who is God? Who am I? Right in the Old Testament, when they said, Who do I, you know, when, when God was giving commands and they say, who am I to say gave these to me? And, and the words they use are, I, you know, I am. God just is. This is his. And we choose whether to have faith in that God or not. And when we choose to have faith in God, then the decision tree keeps going. Do I wake up today and do I choose to follow what that God says or not? And when I choose to do that, guess what I have to do afterwards? I have to go to the next decision and decide, well, am I going to choose to follow him in the next one, and the next one, in the next one? When I mess up, am I going to choose to back up and try and fix things as best I can? Sometimes I can't fix a thing. All I can do is repent, just tell God I'm sorry, tell people I've hurt I'm sorry, and then decide what I'm going to do with the next decision. But the first one is to decide whether or not we're gonna accept that God is who he says he is, right? And then whether or not we're gonna follow. That's really the decision in life. Job's sense of fairness made him say that God was wrong in allowing evil things to happen to him. And if we looked at Job's situation, God himself saying that Job was a righteous man, saying there's nobody better in the world than Job, my servant Job, there's nobody you could find better we would look at what was happening to Job and saying, yeah, he didn't deserve that, right? He didn't deserve that. Why are bad things happening to the best of us? And Job's view of justice in that moment and often our view of justice in that moment can lead us from why to saying God is wrong. And that's when God says, remember, I'm the one who created this place I am the one who truly not only determines justice, but has the ability to enforce it. Job, what can you do? And so he challenged Job to realize that Job doesn't have that power, God does. God is in control. He doesn't cause us to sin. At times he does cause his will to happen or he will remove his protection. I'm not saying that God's providence doesn't exist in ways that God will put things on our path or God will make certain things happen within the course of time. But God set up the rules and we choose to follow. Most things in life happen as a result of either our choices, the impact of other people's choices on us or the consequences of just living in a world that is wrecked by sin. There's a passage in Jeremiah 19 and verse 4. When Jeremiah, the prophet, was given a message to Israel, they had been rebelling against God and rebelling against God. And finally, he was coming to tell them that the Babylonians were about to, you know, in the not too distant future, going to wreck their world pretty pretty rough. In Jeremiah chapter 19 and verse 4, the message from God was For Israel has forsaken me and turned this valley into a place of wickedness. The people burn incense to foreign gods, idols never before acknowledged by this generation, by their ancestors, or by the kings of Judah. And they have filled this place with the blood of innocent children. They have built pagan shrines to Baal, and there they burn their sons as sacrifices to Baal. I have never commanded such a horrible deed, it never even crossed my mind to command such a thing. So beware for the time is coming, says the Lord, when this garbage dump will no longer be called Topheth or the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, but the Valley of Slaughter. So with all of our problems in the world, with all the decisions we make, with all the decisions other people make, with all the consequences and the harsh realities that come from that, with disease, with heartache, with tragedy that happened throughout the world, God is not the author of causing each and every one of those for some specific reason. They are not the, the cosmic result of something we've done wrong, paid back from lifetimes ago. They're the result of living in a world that God created perfect and we messed up. We messed up. But while God is not the author of all of those things, He is the author and the provider of salvation. He is the one who is still in control. And even in a world that we have messed up says, I have a way to redeem my creation. All they have to do is say yes. All they've got to do is say yes. And that's the choice that every one of us has to make. Just real quick to wrap up the story. In Job 42 and verse one, Job replied to the Lord, I know you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is it that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things too, far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Verse five, Job said, I'd only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Not only did God not answer Job's questions of why, He just reminded Job of who he was. Job didn't answer any of God's questions because he couldn't. He didn't have the answers. He could try, but he knew that that was futile because he didn't have the answers. He just replied back saying, I accept who you are. I accept who you are and what I don't know. And I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna follow. Job could have gone back to asking God why, but God didn't really give him the time. You'll see here in a second. But Job wasn't gonna go back to saying that God was wrong. Why? Because he was a person who believed in God and who followed God, who got pulled into this trap of pain and agony and misery and frustration and questions and not knowing what the future looked like, wanting you know people around him saying, I I want to die, you should want to die. This is horrible, it's not worth going on. Job got pulled into that pit of despair and in that time started saying, I've been worshiping you God, but I just think you're wrong. And he snapped back and he snapped back quick. And there were probably still times in life that Job asked why we all will, we all do. But he didn't go back to saying God was wrong. In that, in verse seven, after the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, I'm angry with you and your two friends. And here's the thing, Job went from saying why, asking why to telling God he was wrong. And I, I mentioned this last week, God said, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So if you ever question whether or not we can be hurt and frustrated and tell God our feelings and tell God what we want, even if in those moments we sometimes cross that line, if we step back and we accept who God is, this is what God said about Job. He said, you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So take seven bulls and seven rams, go to my servant Job, offer a burnt offering for yourselves because you're horrible, horrible friends. My servant Job will pray for you and I'll accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. Obviously I added the horrible friends part, but it's accurate. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Namathite, did as the Lord commanded them and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Job even lashing out in pain and in agony, God said, you've still at least spoken right about me. You were just hurting, I understand that. And I'm gonna accept your prayer even above the others who were here because their self-righteousness didn't have much of an excuse and they were making accusations about you that they had no proof of and mischaracterizing my character. And so in the end, in Job 42 and 10, it says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. And it talks about living for multiple generations and seeing his grandchildren and their children and how much of everything that he had. Obviously, Job would have given up all that future wealth to keep what he had before and not experience that pain and that loss. And trust me, this is not a wealth and prosperity sermon because I've already told you that every bad thing happening to us is not because God is just gonna open some windfall later to make it all better, not here. But when we look at the scope of eternity, that's exactly what God does. I'm not promising you that it will happen here, but I'm guaranteeing you that in the scope of our entire relationship with God, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that what God does is he takes the hurt and the pain that we suffer now in this little sliver of time and compared with all the rest of eternity gives us so, so much more. And that is the faith in God that we have. Not, Not you know, judging his sense of justice based on what's happening today. Definitely not basing our sense of God's justice based on whether we deserve it or not. Because we all put the thumb on the scale of we're pretty good people, right? And we really believe that we are. We can justify ourselves. It is amazing. If we could harness that talent in justifying ourselves and put it to any other area of life, we'd all be billionaires. But at looking at God and saying, I wanna know why. Sometimes I'm gonna keep asking why. But even when you don't answer, I know who you are. I'm gonna trust who you are. And I'm grateful because I know what the future holds. If you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your savior, if you've never multiple times today, I've mentioned, I've talked about that, that ultimately what the choice in life is, that really the only choice that, that matters. There's tons that matter, that's a wrong statement. The one that matters the most, all the other choices combined together don't equal it, is the choice about whether or not that you're going to believe in Jesus whether or not that you're going to listen to God. And when God tells you who he is, right? Through his word, spoken by himself, spoken by his son, spoken by his prophets, spoken by historians, spoken by uh, the apostles, spoken by other writers. When God tells us who he is and when the Holy Spirit knocks on that door of your heart and your conscience and tells you, you have a choice to make to accept who God is or to reject him. What I pray is that we all come to that decision in that place with the humility of Job to say, I accept who you are, even if I don't understand. Even if I don't have all the questions answered, I accept who you are. Even if I still ask why and I still want to know. Even if right now I'm still teetering with some of those decisions of, of, of I might think that my decisions are, are more right than yours, God. I'm not gonna say you're wrong. I'm just saying mine are more right. You know, even if you're still struggling with those things, at some point you have to make a, it's a binary choice. Yes, I believe that God is who he says he is. Jesus did what he said he would do. And if I just accept that, that he will give me an eternity in heaven. We accept that or we don't. And that is your choice to make. God's sovereignty doesn't give you another way. He set up the rules but he gives you the choice. And that's one we have to make. And if you haven't made that, I would love for you to ask about or make that decision today. As our worship team comes forward, if you are a child of God, but still yet you have been struggling, you've been in those places of asking God why, you've crossed the line into telling God he's wrong, you keep cycling and circling back around to those same struggles, and we all do and we all will, God is there and he hears and he listens, even when it seems like he's being silent. I can't fix every problem, but I can show you scripture. And in the moment, sometimes that scripture doesn't give us the answer we want, or it doesn't even give us the comfort we want, but continually reminding ourselves of who God is. Doesn't happen as quick and as clear as God speaking out of a whirlwind, right? But reminding ourselves of who God is and surrounding ourselves by people that help us in that walk through life, helps us stay focused and centered and be able to move forward and to face, to face the problems ahead.